was about two weeks ago that our family, uh, it seems like, it doesn't seem vacation, just seem like it, it, it flies by. Like, man, it seems like it was just forever ago, but it, wasn't, it was only about a, two, a week and a half ago that our family was fortunate enough to get away for a week of vacation. And yeah, look at that. I took that picture with my phone. Oh, man, we were in, uh, in Arizona. Uh, it was, we were visiting some family, and it was a, just an awesome time away. How many have been to Arizona before? Uh, how many like Arizona? How many want to live in Arizona? I would love to live in Arizona. Oh, man, that was just like, that's just every night. They just have sunsets like that. You know, I said in Jersey, sunsets, you look over your neighbor's roof. You know, you try and see them through the trees. There you look at that stuff. Oh, man, it was awesome. Restful. We did bike rides through the deserts. Uh, you just got to watch out for the cactus. Uh, I got, I accidentally, like, I put the bike down once, and I walked away. I thought I was just fine. And I walked away, and all of a sudden, I was, like, covered in cactus. Little, I think they call them choyas. They're C-H-O-L-L-A. I think you say choya. But these little, little cute little balls that, man, those things are sharp, and they got like little barbs, so you can't pull them out. They were all over my shoes, my, my shorts, and so I was, I mean, they, they say you're supposed to carry like a comb or pliers to get them out. It took me like a good 10 minutes just to pull them out of my shoes. Fortunately, they didn't go in anywhere that was permanent, but it was, it was so, but we did bike rides. It was great. Uh, we did some bird watching for all the nerd bird watchers. Come on, there we go. Woo-hoo! It was awesome. They have Gamble's quail. Anybody know what a gamble's quail is? It's got a little thing on its head like this. It's awesome to make all sorts of sound. And they had these rosy-throated lovebirds. Somebody in the 50s had released like wild, or just released some, I don't know, like canaries or something. That's what they look like. So now they're they're, they're native. Um, They're green, like look like, like green parakeets, a little bit bigger with blue, like deep blue on their back, and red on their throat, and orange beaks. I mean, they're gorgeous birds, all sorts of cool things. And the house behind us was a great horned owl nesting, and you could see it during the day. I mean, things like huge. It was, it was pretty, I mean, it was pretty cool. I'm a nerd, but it was cool. Um, read some books, because that's what you do on vacation. You read books. I'm telling you, I'm revealing some things about myself. But we had a great and renewing and restful time. It was awesome and wonderful. And how long do you think it took me to get back in the office before I felt tired? Like, I mean, it did not take long between the church schedule and sports and family stuff and personal commitments. It's just like, okay, that's over. That's a picture on your phone. Now you are back to wonderful 50 and rainy New Jersey. This is where we are now. Um, and it's just, I don't know about you, but it seems like this is the time of year where it gets really busy for us, just a lot going on. Uh, it's been like just one thing after another. The break was great and very thankful for it, but you know the thing about rest is that you can't bank it. Like I could have slept for the entire week and one good day of hard work and you're tired again. It's like eating, right? You can eat as much as humanly possible one day, but within 24 hours, right, Probably for some of you it's less, you're, you could be very hungry again. Like Thanksgiving, right? You gorge yourself. And somehow, like two hours later, you're like, hmm, we're doing like second round? You know, like what, you guys, you know, bust that back out again. Uh, you keep needing more. Last week, we explored the idea of uh, the truth that God has manna for us uh, when we recognize a need, again, particularly those needs that deplete, that need to be resupplied, restocked. Uh, And if you missed it, manna is this miraculous 
substance that God provided for the people of Israel uh, when they were journeying out of slavery in Egypt and towards their future home in the promised land. And along the way, they run out of food. They've got, they had some provisions for the journey, but you can't take it all. It's about a million people. And so God provides this miraculous stuff called, what is it? Right? Manna. Yeah, it's called, what is it? Literally, it's what it translates to. Um, as Nikki shared with us uh, that first week, that it's a very appropriate name. Uh, and it, it often is not what we expect. It's, it's very unexpected. They were expecting, you know, it's like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. You ever seen that movie? Right? They were expecting, you know, like spaghetti and meatballs to fall out of the sky and have giant hot dogs and, you know, here come the burgers and the watermelon, all this good stuff falling from the sky. And instead, God gave them and said, it looked like coriander seeds, which is like that. That's the closest representation we have visually to what manna may have looked like. And they would grind it up into a flour and make breads and things like that with it. And so we, we talked about this idea that manna is, is very unexpected, that when God provides what you need, sometimes it's not what you thought it was going to look like. It's what you need. It's just maybe not how you expected it to, to look. And then last week, we talked about the idea that whatever you need, though, there is manna for that. So manna is not, is not just only about food. It's about whatever you have need of, not what you want, but what you have need of, that there's manna for that. If you need wisdom, right, then there's manna for that right? And if you need strength, right, that there's manna for that. And if you need hope or peace or help, right, like whatever you need, there's manna for that. And it's not about how good you are at getting it, but it's about our decision to turn to God for it. Whatever you need God to provide, he's got it and it's always enough because God makes things and he makes them sufficient and it's what he does. Now, here's the thing. We've talked about manna. We've talked about all this great provision of God. And as wonderful as the provision of God is, as wonderful as this manna is, there's a problem with manna. How could there be a problem with the miraculous provision of God? How could there possibly be a problem with it? And here's the problem with manna. It has a terrible shelf life. Terrible shelf life. Uh, It literally is only good for one day. One day. Listen to what we read in the history of Israel. We're going to read from Exodus chapter 16. You can read along on on the the screens here with me. It goes like this. Moses tells people about about how to use manna. He says this. Don't keep any of it until the morning, he says. And what do we know about the people of Israel? How good are they at listening? How good are we at listening? Right? But some of them didn't listen and kept some of it till morning. It's going to be gross for a second. But by then it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell, and Moses was very angry with them. What did I tell you people? He said, don't keep it till morning. After this, the people gathered the food, how? Morning by morning, each family according to its need. And as the sun became hot, the flakes they had not picked up melted and disappeared. So what happens after one day to the manna that you pick up that you don't use. Nasty. Gross is what it turns into. And it's really fascinating to me because this was designed by God. God made it this way. He said, I want to make it in such a way that after one day it goes terrible. 
it turns rotten. Like, he makes it that way. It's not natural. It wasn't naturally going to rot. But God says, I want to make this rot after one day. And it shows up with dew, contains all the nutrients they need. It's fully satisfying no matter how much they eat. It's this miracle food. Yet after one day, if you pick it up and don't eat it, it goes bad. The stuff that's on the ground doesn't rot. It just melts away. But the stuff that you pick up that you don't use turns to rotten, gross stuff. Now, there's a special exception on the Sabbath, and we'll talk about that in a few weeks. But for most days, manna was a one-day thing. You got one day to use it, and then you got to lose it. It's going away, right? Over and over and over again. So it means that God chose to make it rot like this. This was on purpose, which means every single day, people got to go gather manna, pick it up, right? Go home, do all this stuff, and, and, and just one day at a time, because they cannot keep it for tomorrow. They, they couldn't, like, have, I got a manna closet. No manna closets. No manna bread boxes, right? No containers. Doesn't matter how tight you seal it. Doesn't mean it, they could have put it in Ziplocs. It doesn't matter. It'd be a Ziploc bag of nasty, right? You can't do it. It doesn't keep. So every single day, they got to go pick up. How long, do you know how long they had to pick up manna for? Somebody's, I can hear it out there. Verse, verse 35. So the people of Israel ate manna for 40 years until they arrived at the land where they would settle. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. For 40 years, the people of Israel went to bed with no food. For 40 years, I go to bed with no food, and I got to wake up and hope, hope God's got something for me. For 40 years, they got to get up and gather today's provision. Imagine getting up, looking outside and being like, you see it? Okay, manna. Because if not, we're hungry. Because I got nothing in the fridge. There's nothing in the cart. No food. There's only enough for today and tomorrow. I got to do it all over again. I get annoyed that I have to go to ShopRite two times a week for milk. Right? Like, imagine every single day you got to get all your food every single day, one day at a time, for 40 years. Here's the question. Why do you think God chose to make manna like that? Why do you think God chose to do that? Why make people have to pick it up every single day. Because could God have made it different? Could God have said, hey, pick up this manna as much as you want and you can store it and it's good forever. It says for the entire time that they were in the desert, their shoes didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't wear out. That God made things last. God can make things last. He chose not to. Why did he do it that way? He must have had a reason. God must have had a reason for making manna rot after one day for making the people go out day after day after day to go pick it up again. He must have had a reason, and he did. And it's going to sound strange when I tell you what it was, but stick with me. See, the reason God did it like that is that God is all about relationship. What? That's a left turn. Yeah, I know. God is all about relationship. Since the dawn of time, God has had one mission in mind. 
and that is to be in relationship with us as people, right? That's the whole purpose for all of this. That's why the world exists. God wants to be in relationship. It's the goal of Adam and Eve. He wanted to be in relationship with them, and despite what the obstacles of sin and brokenness and our wandering and our shortcomings and our rebellion and our, our foolishness, despite all that, God continues to desire to be in relationship with us. He wants to know us. He pursues relationship with us. That's why Jesus came. He says, hey, I want to show you how to have a relationship with the Father. I want, God wants a relationship, and that's why the Holy Spirit is still here, because that's how we know God. That's how we can be in relationship with the Father. It's all about relationship. So what does that have to do with making people go get manna every day? Some of you asked, it's a good question. It's a great question. Um, I asked it myself. So just for a moment, let's do history. For most of human existence, from prior to like contemporary times, for most of human existence, you would eat what you grew or what you hunted or what you gathered, right? That's how we got food as people. We would either plant and grow it, hunt it, or gather it. That's how we got food. You went out and you got it. How many of you live that way now? You only eat what you hunt. You only eat what you grow. Some of you try, but you can't do enough. You only eat what you gather. That's me. I gather. I gather from ShopRite and Trader Joe's, and I gather from, right, from restaurants. I gather. That's how, that's how we do it now. Over time, though, as society developed, here's what happened. People began to specialize in, in one of those things. So they became really good at hunting or really good at, at farming or they got really good at gathering. And they began to specialize then in other things. So people began to specialize in trades. And then what would happen is then services or goods began to be exchanged or, or bartered, uh, you know, for food. This is how we're, hey, I'm the, I'm the right? Uh, you had farmers, hunters, blacksmiths, builders, doctors, and I will do this if you give me that. And we began to, that's how society began to form around food. And eventually, these small businesses began to grow up, you know, pop up. You got vegetable carts over here, right? You get, that's where you get your vegetables, and, and you got your, your dairies and your butchers, right? There wasn't any food stores back in the day. You went to Bob the Baker for bread and, and Frida's fruit stand for, you know, for all that stuff. So that's how it worked for, for many, many years. And then only in more modern times do we have stores and things where, you know, and today, today, you can order online. You can order your stuff online. We are so far removed from the people that make our food now. So far removed. Let me ask you this. Do you know who grew the food that you ate this week? Do you know the names of the people that grew the food that you ate? Yeah. Do you know who roasted the beans of the coffee you drank? Kevin might. I don't know. Do you know? No, no you don't have. Okay. Somewhere out there, right, is a farmer or a factory producing the food that we eat. Now, I've never been. I've never been. But one day, I'd love to visit the Twinkie farm and thank the farmers, you know, in person, face-to-face. -face. I'd like to know his name. You know, listen, we've got online ordering services, and you don't even have to step foot in the store. It all just comes to you. Now, that may sound fantastic to you. You're like, I love I love this. I don't have to see anybody. I don't have to talk to anybody. I don't have to accidentally run into somebody in my sweatpants, right? I'm just, I just have to 
punch in what I want, and I go, and they give me the bags, and I go home, and you think that sounds lovely. I understand. I totally get it. It sounds like progress, and in some ways, it absolutely is progress. But there is a significant societal cost to this kind of change that we've experienced over time. And here's what happens. We have lost relationship with the people who make the food. They're nameless and faceless entities somewhere out there. Let me tell you, if you had to go to the baker every day for the bread that you ate, you would know that baker. Some of you experience this because you have a stop in your day. You get your coffee every single day, whether it's Wawa or Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts. or You make your stop, and now listen, you don't know who made the coffee, but you know who put it in the cup for you. You know, or you know who's the, the cashier, right? And maybe they even have your usual ready for you. Anybody like that? You got, you got a place? You got a usual? Nobody? All right, there's a few? All right, you got a couple. You got a couple? All right. You got your usual. And they know when, when you walk in, they're like, got you. Because got you. you go there regularly enough that they know your name. You know what that is? That's called relationship. That's what, that's what it's about. The people of Israel had been through the trauma of 400 years of slavery. They had, they had struggled through this. And God says, hey, I want to bring you in close. I want to know you better. I want you to know me better. So he provided for them one day at a time. Listen, this is so important. Manna, one day at a time, was not punishment. It was an invitation. It was not God saying, you know, I want to make this hard for you. It was God saying, I want to know you and I want to make life better for you. I want you to come in and know me. So, how about we meet every morning? And every morning when you come out, I'll be there. And I will give you everything you need. And you'll learn that every morning we got an appointment. You and me. Every day you come out and you gather, guess what? Hey, God's here again. God's here again. Provider God is here again. Provider God is here again. For 40 years, God says, come and know me. For 40 years, they woke up needing, and God delivered. He didn't miss a day. 40 years. Food's there. Food's there. So what? So what does that have to do with us? 2023. Because we're certainly, we, we have shop right now. And we have online ordering now, Peapod, or whatever it is that you're doing. We have all this stuff. So what? See, God still provides manna for us morning by morning. I'm not talking just about food, but sometimes. But whatever you have need for, God still chooses to provide it morning by morning. Because it's still about relationships. What I'd like to emphasize today really is that day-by-day day parts. It's day-by-day, day, and it's critically important because some of you, some of us, are holding on to old manna. And it's no good. Old manna is rotten. The world is constantly changing. You are constantly changing. And the manna God gave to you yesterday 
what you knew yesterday, the information he gave to you yesterday, it's not enough for today. You need new understanding. The strength God gave to you as manna yesterday, he said, God, I need strength for yesterday. Guess what? You used it. You spent it. And whatever you have now, it's rotten. You need new strength. The peace you had yesterday that carries you through that storm. Another storm is coming. And you need new peace. The provision God gave you yesterday has been consumed. You need new manna. Listen, perhaps you're holding on to manna you got just yesterday. Still no good. Perhaps you got it months ago or years ago. It doesn't matter. Once it's past the night, it's over. It's rotten. And it's not rotten because what God gave you is no longer good. It's rotten because God says, I have new manna for you. It's not that God gave you bad stuff. He just says, I've got new stuff for you today. Whoever you are, whatever you need, not only is there manna for that, which we talked about last week, there is manna for that, but there is new manna for that. There's new manna for that. It's a very small, small change, but it makes a very big difference. In His grace, God still provides manna morning by morning by morning. There are two reasons I think God makes it like that. As we've already said, one is that He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants you to come every day to Him. And He says, hey, I got, because I want to know you. I want an appointment every day. Whatever you need, I want you to come to me. Not because I want to make this hard on you. Because I want to make it good for you. I want you to know me. Every day that you go to God for new manna, he's there. Listen, if someone promised to help you, you may or may not trust them. Someone says, hey, I'll, I'll, first time they ever make a promise to you. I promise I will be there. I'm going to help you. You're like, maybe they will, maybe they won't. But if they come through, the next time you'll have a little more confidence, right? What if they promise you five times and they show up all five times? What if they show up ten times? hundred times. I mean, hundred times they're in, right? If they've promised you a hundred times and every single time they've delivered, okay. God promised the Israelites manna every morning and delivered for 14,600 days. That's 40 years. Day by day by day. Every single day God shows up. You know what that does to your relationship with God, right? That kind of consistent, constant provision, that's like titanium for your relationship with God. You want to learn to trust God in deeper and more life-changing ways? Look for manna every day. You want to go deeper in your relationship with God? Look for manna morning by morning. So that's the first reason that God does it like that for us. But the second reason God does it like that is to be a blessing. It's to be a blessing to us. It's to do good for us. A few years ago, I got to play in a golf tournament. I don't play a lot of golf. I enjoy it. it I'm not very good at it, but I like it. And I didn't play there, but that's just a nice picture. I thought we'd like to look at it. So it was a golf tournament, something like that. It was in Pennsylvania, so it, was, it wasn't there. Um, and at the first hole, when you play some of these tournaments, these, like, you, you, it's like a support of a college or something. At the first hole, when you're about to tee off and hit your ball into the woods, as you're standing there, like to the side, they had a basket full of snacks and a cooler with drinks. I mean, if you know me, I like snacks. So I'm like, oh, man, i got to grab a bunch because it's going to be a long day. 
And so I took as many as I could. I'm like, you know, I'm filling the cart, filling the bag. I took a couple of Gatorades out of the cooler. They were cold. It was going to be awesome. I knew they wouldn't be cold by the end of the day, but at least I'd have like something, you know, to drink. I was like, okay, I'm going to have this with me, right? And it was great. So I had this whole stockpile. And here's the thing. When I got to hole number two, there was another basket and a cooler. And I was like, huh. And I got to the third hole and there was another basket and another cooler. Every basket, every, every hole, 18 holes, 18 holes. Everyone had a basket with snacks and a cooler with drinks. And I learned that I was free to take just what I needed at the moment because there would be more when I got to the next hole. And I didn't see every basket as an oasis in a desert and I got to get as much as possible because I don't know when the next one is coming. I was literally going from abundance to abundance. It was heaven. It was a great day. I don't know how I played that day. I remember nothing of the golf, but I remember the snacks. Okay? Let you know a lot about me. It was freeing. It was amazing. Imagine passing up free snacks. There was more than enough. God doesn't give us tomorrow's manna today. And that can be frustrating. That can be anxiety-inducing. But it's actually a blessing. When we know a big decision is coming up, we want the wisdom manna today. God, i got to make this decision in two weeks, and I, I would love to know today because I'm stressing about this. What am I supposed to do? Can't you give me manna today for what's coming? When you've got a bill coming up, God, I need the provision for it. Can't you, why can't I have it in advance? God, there's a problem I don't know how to solve. I want the manna today. God doesn't give tomorrow's manna today, and it's a blessing because God says, hey, I'll give it when you need it. And if you don't have it, it's because you don't need it yet. It's going to be there when you need it. We have to trust God for that. And it can feel unnecessary. God, you could, you could do this so much different. You could give it to me now if you wanted to. Why don't you just give it to me now? And he says, it'll be there. When you, get to, when you, get to, when you pull up on the, the seventh green, there's going to be a basket there full of everything you need. Because here's the deal. I gathered all that stuff at the first hole, and you know what I had to do? I had to carry it with me. Sometimes we're trying to carry stuff for the future because we don't want to let go because we don't trust that when we get there we're going to have what we need. And God says, hey, live free. All you have to do is use the manna you're given today. When we got on the plane for our flight to Arizona, I had a backpack with me, and I'm a smart traveler. I had snacks in there. I had my... My, my books in there, I had music in there, my headphones that were charged, an extra battery charger. I had all the things that I knew I would need for the trip, right? And then I had my suitcase with the clothes that I would need for the week ahead. We all had suitcases, which now the airlines charge you extra for. Thank you, airlines, right? And so you got all these suitcases, and you got to check them, and you got to wait for the bags to come out. You've got to think ahead. You need the tickets. Then when we get to the airport, I need the ride from the airport. How am I going to get there? Because I've got no car now, so I've got to arrange a ride, make sure that's all covered, and a place to stay, and make sure all these details are worked out. You know how it works. You've traveled. Here's what MANA is. MANA is ultra first class. It's VIP treatment. Here's what it is. You show up at the airport and everything is provided for you. All the food you need, all the drinks you need, all the comforts you need. And when you get there, there's a driver waiting with a place to stay already with all the accommodations, even a wardrobe, all the clothes you need. You just got to get sweatshirts, sweatpants, flip-flops. Everything else is there for you. 
You don't have to take toothbrushes, shampoo, soap. Everything you need is already there. Could you imagine just walking into an airport with nothing? I don't need tickets. You got them all. I don't need my passport. Everything's already in the system. I just literally walk through. I get on a plane and I go, and everything's taken care of. If I'm cold, they give me blankets, right? If I'm, if I'm hot, they got the air conditioner that actually works as you can turn it on and direct it towards you. Not this little thing, but like actually like everything is totally good. You got to go to the bathroom. You got your own private bathroom. Everything is worked out along the way. All you got to do is go. That's what manna is like. It says, hey, you don't got to bring a bunch of baggage just in case I got you. Jesus literally said this to his followers. Almost exactly this. Luke chapter 9, verse 1. It says, one day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons, to heal all diseases. He's saying, hey, we're going to go do ministry. And he says this. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God to heal the sick. Hey, you got work to do. I'm going to send you on ministry. And he says, take nothing for your journey. Don't take a walking stick. But I like a walking stick. There will be one for you. Don't take a traveler's bag. Don't take food, money, or even a change of clothes. You know what we call that? That's holy nonsense. That's ridiculous. What are we talking about, God? And you know what happens with it? It works. It works. God always shows up. And he always provides. And it's always enough. See, manna is a gift. You don't have to go get it. You get to go get it. Manna is God's miraculous provision every step of the way. When you wake up in the morning and you know that you're going to need something for that day, God says, I have it for you. Every day, morning by morning, I have it for you. I don't have enough for tomorrow. My mom used to say, God won't give you grace and peace for what hasn't happened yet. We like to stress about what's going to happen, what might happen. God, won't, God's not, God doesn't have manna for that. He doesn't have manna for what hasn't happened yet, but he's got manna for today. Morning by morning, one day at a time, 40 years. I got manna for that. There's new manna for that. This is not a complicated message. It's very simple. The reality is it's hard for us to do this. We get it, but to live this, because you know what we like to do? We like to pack a huge suitcase. We like to wait in lines, and we like to stress and get anxious and worry and fret and try to manipulate everything so we can get what we want. We may even get where we want to get to, but it's going to cost us because we'll get there exhausted and weary, and we'll know that tomorrow we have to do it all over again because it's on us. And so we walk through life carrying all this stuff, not sure what we're going to need to say, but hoping that we've brought enough for the journey. And we're taking all of it on ourselves. And God says, it's like, look at this guy. He's got 17 suitcases piled on his back, carrying like this, walking like this, just in case. Well, I just want him to walk like this, free, because I got manna for you. There's new manna for you day after day after day. couple of action steps. One, stop relying on old manna. Stop relying on old manna. If it's been a long time since you've asked God for fresh wisdom and understanding, for fresh strength or fresh peace or hope 
or fresh joy or fresh whatever you need. If it's been a long time, you're working with a rotten supply. If it's been more than 24 hours since you've asked God for manna, it's rotten. So stop doing that and start relying on new manna. Very simple. Ask God for it every day. Again, this is not a complicated message. I'm not making this up. Let's look at the Lord's Prayer. What does it say? Give us this day our, our what? Daily bread. Oh, not our monthly bread, not our, not our yearly bread, our daily bread. Because God provides it day by day by day. It's freeing to let go of that pressure to provide. In the, uh, in the tabernacle, if you remember, there was bread called the, the bread of the presence. It would be in the, in the temple in the Old Testament, and it would sit there, and they would change it every day. Every day would be a new loaf of bread, and that was supposed to represent the presence of God, which was always new. Not that God wasn't there yesterday, but that God was there in a new and fresh way today. See, the fact that manna rots doesn't mean that yesterday was bad. It just means that God is new today. It's freeing. I'm going to invite the band up, and we're going to close in just a moment. I want to close with this. Every week, I get tasked with sharing a meaningful and hopefully encouraging, uplifting message with you that reveals the goodness of God and calls out anywhere we've gotten off track. Like, that's my job, right? My job is each week to come in here and, and share a message that inspires and encourages you in 25 or 30 minutes or less because you got to go places. And, but just really, really good. That's a lot of pressure. And to be honest, I can't do that. Now, I have preached in this church more than 500 times, more like 550 550 times I've stood on, uh, not necessarily this platform, I've stood on grass, uh, on senior center stages, uh, uh, just anywhere that you'll let me stand in front of you, and I have spoken. And every single one of those is manna. Because as I prepare, I simply ask God, God, can you give me what you have for your church today? Because God, what you gave me for the church last week well, that's good, but it's rotten now. Not because it wasn't good, but because you got something fresh for today. I don't say this to, to boast in any way, but just to prove the point. I have never preached an old sermon. Never cut and paste. Because that would be a disservice to you. Because that means I would be withholding the fresh manna God has for you just because it's easier for me to give you old men. It's tempting. <laughs> but I won't do it. Because every day God has new manna for you. And if I don't go looking for it as I prepare, I would be giving you something that may be true, but does you no good. Because it's not what you needed for today. I would be giving you expired truth. It would be good and true, but not what you need in the moment. The point is this, God has new manna for you today, and it's not just about you. Because there are things God is going to ask you to give to others.
And if you are relying on what God gave you yesterday or last week or last year, you are offering them something that is no longer timely. It's no longer pertinent or relevant because you have not gone to gather what God has for you today. See, that day-by-day thing, it's actually a blessing. It's a gift that God gives to us. We need to stop holding on to old manna because there's new manna for us morning by morning. How good is he? How good is he? Would you stand and we're going we're gonna to pray. Just take a moment. Heavenly Father, we, we just take a moment to consider what it is that you're saying to us right now. So wherever you are, would you just listen? What is God speaking into your into your spirit right now. God, in this moment, give us ears to hear you, a heart to perceive you. And Lord, most of all, give us hands and feet ready to respond. Lord, let us not just mentally say, yes, that's true, and walk out unchanged. But Lord, may we be compelled to gather the manna that you have for us today. Help us to look for manna every day, morning by morning, God. Would we develop the habit of daily going to gather the bread that you have for us? Whether it's wisdom or hope or strength or understanding or joy, peace, confidence, courage, whatever it is that we have need of, provision, whatever it is, may we look to you for it. Lord, and in the process, Lord, as we commit to looking for manna, would you just draw us closer to you? Would you build that relationship up? Would we know you better? Lord, you are going to satisfy every single need. Lord, you will be there morning by morning. You never fail. Lord, you have never, you will never. 14,600 days. That was just one short season. Lord, for generations, you have provided for your people day by day by day, and you delight in doing it. You desire to relieve us of the burden of provision. It's not on us. Lord, there's manna for that. Lord, there's new manna for us every single day. Lord, as we gather, as we go out and look for it, as we trust you for it, because that's ultimately what it comes down to. It's about trust. God, as we trust you to provide for us, would you make us a blessing to this world? May we bring fresh life to those all around us, to everyone you send us to. Lord, let us be known as people who are timely, who are prepared who are ready for this day because we've looked to you to provide what we need. Forgive us for those times where depending on old provision. Let us come back to you today for something new. How good are you? So wherever you are right now, just take a moment. If you need to confess, 
that you have not looked for fresh manna, do that now. Just where you are, God, forgive me for not looking for your fresh manna every day, for depending on what you did some time ago, for trying to work in my own power even. God is faithful to forgive everyone of our failures because he loves us. He's not here to crush us, but to call us to his side. Now, just ask God for today's manna. Say, God, today's as good a day as any to start a new habit. God, I want to start the new habits daily looking to you for my provision. In all areas of my life, I will look to you for the power to work, power to love, power to serve others, power to shine light in a world that's increasingly dark. God, there's manna for that. There's new manna for that. We come to you looking for it. our team to close us in a moment with a song. Just going to sing. Just want to encourage you, if you feel like you need to just respond to God in this moment, this is the time to do that. If God is doing something in your heart, be responsive. If you'd like prayer, just wanna, during as they're singing, I'll be available. I'm going to ask our our leadership team, our elders, and our deacons who are in the room, if you'd come forward just to pray with anybody. If you want prayer, we're here during this song. If you'd like someone to pray with you, we'd love to just pray with you. But let's be responsive to what God is saying. A very simple message, but something we need to take action to do.